Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It's been one year of Glory Church. And I'm so excited. It's been one year, and though I uh, can look back and see all the things that didn't turn out like we all thought, I mean, I think we can all look back at 2020 and see the things that didn't turn out like we thought it would. We can also look back, and I can see God's hand in so many things. I'm so excited. I'm I'm excited to lean in on this moment today. I'm excited that, that year one is in the books, and we can step together into what God has for us as a church in year two. I mean, it is phenomenal to see the level of relationships that have been created because of of faithfulness, because of just showing up for one another. So this morning, if you'll do me the honor, I have a word for you, all right? And it's going to be a little bold. It's going to be direct. But God just hit me with it this past week. We know if you've been with us, you've heard this psalm, in the psalms it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I want to recast a vision this morning for year two for us, all right? Uh, Scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I think churches can perish all around us because they're not unified in a vision. They're not unified together in a vision. So I have just something for you guys, a word. And I'm excited because we're actually going to start off this morning where we ended on our first Sunday ever together, launch Sunday. Some of you were there, others of you have came uh, along the way, but on our launch Sunday, I taught over the first miracle of Jesus. Some of you are like, oh, I remember this. I taught over the first miracle of Jesus when Jesus transformed water into wine. And, and I taught over that, and I, we're actually going to pick up right where we left off a, a year ago. And I, I'm excited because what better way to start the miracle study than to remind you of Jesus' first miracle. But our vision here at Glory Church is that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. That's something you will hear over and over. It's it's printed on that little banner out there that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. That the injustice in our city, that the pain in our city, that the brokenness in our city, every bit of structure that is working against the kingdom of God in our city, I believe it can be changed by small individual hearts that are realizing as one they're part of something greater. We see a city changed by homes that are changed. That instead of just trying to attack the big picture, we can start saying, you know, there's marriages all around us that, needs God's, that need God's grace. There, there's abuse to be attacked, but on a personal level. There are lies that are being believed in homes. And so the face that we walk to, into our work with, that, that we put on that fake smile, it's not going to change unless we get to the root of our home. And so over the past year, we've, we've seen the way that that changes. Well, I, I've experienced how you guys have been made uh, joyous like never before because you realized it starts in the home, where I'm at, my everyday life, my, my waking and sleeping, I'm finding Jesus in the joys of it. That's what changes the city. And I want to push in on that a little bit. See, we started Glory Church off, and I taught John chapter 2. And we're going to open up in there in just a bit. John chapter 2. 
But for those of you who know the story, uh, for those of you who, who've experienced it or who, who remember last year, I want to give you a little bit of a recap because Jesus in this first miracle, he sets the tone for everything he's about to do. He really sets the tone for the kind of kingdom he's going to bring about. He does very quickly in a way showing who he will be and who he won't be. This first miracle is his first public thing ever. And at a wedding, he decides to do it. And I'm excited to bring it to you. A year ago on our launch day, I used this miracle as a blueprint for how I want our church to be. Do you remember that, some of you? Just how Jesus came off and started his public ministry showing who he was going to be and who he wasn't going to be. I used it that day as a blueprint to show who we as Glory Church will be and will not be. If you remember, if you know the story well, the, there's a scene. It takes place in a wedding, and the wedding has run out of wine. And I don't know if you know anything about weddings back in the day, but there would be periodic times where the chief steward of the wedding would hold up the cup and would say a phrase, and everyone would repeat it, and then everyone would hold up the cup and drink. And it was a celebration. It was what drove, like a, like a thread through every bit of the party, was this little interaction where they would drink wine together, and the wine was gone. I don't know if you know anything about the wine being gone, but the moment the wine ends, the party ends. And it's a shame, not just the party like you think, but the wedding, the, the beauty, the beautiful display of what God is doing in this couple, it ends because of the wine. And we were so far removed from that kind of tradition, but this is what happens. They look, the servants see, there is not one more drop left. And so we see Jesus look at these jars, right? Those of you who know the story, we're, we're going to read it in a second. He sees these jars, these six purification jars, jars that would be filled with water. Some of you, you've, you've never seen something so tall like these, these jars, and they would be full of water. And what you would do when walking in on a, on a place, a ceremony, Somewhere in some place that would have food, you dip your hands in it because these jars were prayed over, and then instantly, because of your dip, you'd be clean and you could take part in what was at the table. These jars were this ceremonially clean display of, of everything that Jesus was not for, that you could do this and you were good, but this had nothing to do with the broken outside of that place. This had everything to do with masking yourself and calling yourself good. And so Jesus just transforms it. If you know anything about this story, you know that these jars were the very thing that Jesus was going to use to provide wine to that party, life back to that party. And so he takes this symbol of religious, legalistic duty and transforms it into grace. And it's really powerful. I think we can get stuck in this too, that we, we like to appear clean at church. We like to appear clean at church. It's that same mindset that says, if I put on the smile, everyone will believe that everything's okay. And that mentality kept those jars at work day in and day out in that time in that time period. 
But Jesus takes them, and, and if you know the story, he transforms them into wine. I want you to see this word. He takes it from a jar of water to a jar of wine and gives it life. I don't know if you know anything about wine, but the very fundamental breakup, like makeup of wine, is that it is alive. Water may have some living things in it, and we all know that, that some bad water may have some nasty things living in it. But the water itself is not alive. The very makeup of wine is living. Instantly, life was put into these vessels. A, mir- a miraculous thing happened, and I told you last year, That I wanted to be a church, if you remember, before we ever even get into this, I told you last year that I wanted to be a church that was more about life change than being clean. More about life change than just this duty of putting on the smile, of doing the things, of of washing our hands so that we are good. No, life change is what transformed water to wine, and guess who it was for? Everyone at the party. Ceremonially clean attitude is, is I'm going to be clean so I can go into the party. This life change was so that the party could experience it. It's beautiful. And I told you last year that that's what I wanted. And if you remember, I wrote this down and I, I just want to make sure you cannot be, and I said this exact phrase, this is, I copied and pasted it from my notes of last year. I said, you cannot be outwardly clean while caring for the needs of the leper. And I see a Jesus who cared for the needs of the leper. But this year teaches us something else. I'm sorry, those of you who are going to get upset. You cannot be CDC clean by caring for the needs of the broken homeless person who's going to require you in that moment to hug them. We learned this year that you cannot be CDC clean while you wipe the tears of a woman whose husband walked out. You cannot be CDC clean, right? It's, it's not about cleanliness. It's about life and transformation. And I told you that last year, and I have seen in beautiful ways, you guys take a step, and we feed homeless people, and we care for them, because it's about life change. It's about life change. You can't be clean and also walk life with a drunkard. It's going to be messy. You can't be clean and offer a a prostitute a home in your house. It's just not the way that the Mosaic people did it. That wasn't clean. But Jesus brings something so powerful. But the reason I'm bringing this up now is not about that. All right, though that could preach, and I preached it a year ago, that's not what I'm preaching today. I'm actually excited because God humbled me on something whew, that just stretched me this past week. Because I believe, I look out and I see so much change that has happened. I see people who were afraid of church, who have stepped foot weakly into this place because they see something different. People who are hurt by church and they see that this is the beauty of the gospel, what we're doing here. I see good changes happening. And I will tell you, what I re- when I reread this story, I saw a phrase that jumped off the page. And I want you to write this down. There's no denying that God has brought change into this place. But the story shows me something, that where there is change, there is also a commission. And we're about to see that. 
I focused last year on the beauty of the jars. I want to focus this year on what the beauty of the jars meant for the servants in the room. Because where there is change, there's commission. And that word commission might be strange. It just means there's a calling. There is a demand on my soul to go do something. When there is a change, there is a commission. So the story says this. You ready? John chapter 2. It says, on the third day of the week, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus replied to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. But it continues, his mother looked to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. And now standing there were those six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification. Each about to hold 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Fill them with water. And so they filled them to the brim, and he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And the story continues, when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, I love that John gives us a side, though the servants knew where it came from, The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. If you know the story, this this chief steward, he publicly honors the couple for for changing, radically changing how the world works and, and operates. And this couple did something different, but we know it had nothing to do with the couple, right? They were like, where did this come from? We see in this inner room that Jesus takes this transformation and changes vessels of water into vessels of wine. And not just wine, like good wine, good wine, good wine. And I think we can catch up on this beauty of the transformation and miss out on that little phrase, the commission that Jesus had for these servants, that Jesus had for these servants, that he had for you and me, because yes, I think if we all, glory family, were honest with ourselves, God had some changes in us this year. He did some really powerful things. Some of you, you started to realize that you have value. Some of you, you started realizing that there was hope to be had in the presence of Jesus. Some of you, your past year was sorrowful, yes, but it was also full of a community like never before. There is some changes that happened in your vessel this past year. And now to that, to that, he speaks something so blunt, so bold. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Jesus looks to the servants and says, now draw some out. I would say, Glory Church, we've got to draw some out. We've got to draw some out. Sure, there was some hope that you experienced this past past year, but you are now called to draw out the miraculous work that Jesus has done in your heart. Notice that we don't read anything in the story about the water visibly turning into wine. We don't read that it's like bubbling and the servants can tell visibly that something is changing. 
We don't even read that Jesus spoke anything to the wine, whether he touched it. All we read is that he told the servants to draw some out. Go give it to others. Draw some out. The work in here is too great for the jars. Draw some out. The work that is in here, it, it demands to be fed out there. Draw some out. What you're doing now means nothing in this room unless that is on the lips of those people. Draw some out. You have to draw out that which I've done. And I just look at this and I wonder, there is this, there's no back row servers here. There's no backseat servers or I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting in today. I don't really want to draw some out. There's no, I'll let other people do it, servants. No, every single one of them heard the commission and did it. I will draw some out and I will take it to the chief steward. I wrote this down. There is a slippery slope in our modern day churches. A slippery slope of being a place that promotes that elevates the possibility of life change. I need you to hear this. There is a there's slippery slope of being a place that elevates and promises life change. Yet the individuals that make it up do not draw out that which they've already experienced. And so what you have is people who come into a place and they feel so overlooked. They feel so unnoticed. They feel like they don't fit in because there's no wine given. There's no display that the miracle of Jesus is real, yet we're promising it on the stage. I'm promising life change, yet they look around and there's no servants drawing out the possibility of it in their own life. Glory, church, we cannot be a church like that. Draw some out. Draw some out. God has done a number in your past. He's changed you. So you now have a commission to serve it to other people. To serve it to other people. To draw some out. Now, I don't like to always play the what-if games, but this is a powerful way to sometimes read scripture, is to play a what-if game. Uh, what if? Read the story and then start asking what if. What if instead of what happened, this happens? And uh, that's sometimes a really powerful way to put myself in the story. So let's play a little what-if game. What if for the servants they never drew out the water to notice that it was wine? What if, what if they let their doubt get the upper hand? What if they let the fears of, of being wrong or ashamed? I mean, right now, the shame is just on the couple, not them. But if they were to give water to the chief steward and it was all fake, whew, shame on me. What if they let themselves sit in the doubt and never draw some out? What if? What if they allowed the temperature of the party to set the temperature of their attitude? I will tell you as believers, we cannot allow the temperature of our now to set the temperature of our attitude. Some of you, you lost a job. Your now is not very good. Some of our now is as cold and seemingly bitter as the outside. Some of your nows is that you became a parent to people who are not your children. It might be a sibling that you were not expecting to now be the mom or dad to, or it was a grandchild, or, or maybe it's, it's these issues that are coming around and it's not what you signed up for. Your now is really difficult. It's really hard. Your now is not what you signed up for. 
But as servants, we cannot let the temperature, how hot it is, how cold it is, how stuffy it is, how uncomfortable it is, to determine the temperature of my attitude. No, I've got something in me to be drawn out. I have, there is life change in this, and I'm going to listen to the, the, the rabbi who says, now draw some out. I'm going to listen to the rabbi who says, draw some out. There have been some things, personal prayers, that God has answered this past year. There's been some small movements forward in your life. There's been some godly convictions that you've had like never before this past year. There's been some conversations that, that, that have been life-changing experiences. There's been inner peace in your life, joy, hope. The worst thing you could do is leave it in the vessel. Did you hear? The worst thing you could do is leave it in the vessel. Now draw some out. Now draw some out. The hope that you found, the ability that you have to forgive your spouse, draw some out so that other people can be served by that forgiveness. Draw some out. If you know anything about the, the Jewish tradition, what's about to happen in that room is disgrace. Disgrace on the bride, disgrace on the groom, because there was no wine. And so I have two things for you as we end this. I need you to hear this. Two things of what if. Because I think if, if year two is going to happen, if you don't draw some out, if you don't draw out the life change that God has for you, these two things are bound to happen. It's very personal. Are you ready? These two things are going to happen as a church to us if we don't draw the work of Christ out. And the first is this. Personally, those servants, they would have never known the depths of change that really occurred in those vessels if they didn't draw some out. Glory family, as your pastor, let me speak something very clear over you. If you keep silent about your faith, you will never know the depth of change that that faith has done to your soul. Does that nullify the fact that it did anything? No. The miracles still happen in the vessel, but you personally will not know the amount of grace that your soul has been given because you won't even share it. You see, the beautiful thing is personally servants. Jesus wants to show you the depth of change that he's given to you. No, Greg, there hasn't been depth of change. Yes, it has. Even the small movement forward is an, a, a huge bulk of change that the world does not know. And the more you speak it, I mean, think about it practically. I have a cup of what I thought was water, and every single time I pour it, I'm watching red stuff come out. And I'm, I'm like, it has to just be colored water. It has to be colored. This can't be real. And then I watch their mouth drink it, and I see their expression on their face, and every single time I do it, I've done it now 20 times, like, have you, have you done it? Like, and, and you go by in the servants, can you just imagine the conversations? Have you seen their faces? They like this. It's real. Because the depth of change that happened in that vessel was known personally by every servant the more they served it out. The more they served it out. Now draw some out, glory family. Draw some out. For the sake of your children, draw some out. For the sake of your friends, draw some out. For the sake of your neighbors, draw some out. Personally, they would have never known. They would have never known. But there's a second what if. You see, if they didn't draw some out, 
the people in that party, their perception of the bride and groom would have remained tarnished. Now, I use this wording for a very specific reason. The people in this room, they would have that in that bridal party, uh, everyone to the wedding party, all of them, their perception of the bride and groom would have remained tarnished. They would have remained tarnished. The story of disgrace would have remained. The story of shame. I mean, accusations would have been real. I mean, it would have just gone from bad to worse to worse. But here, hear me, listen. Very practically, was it the servant's job to redeem the party? No. Was it the servant's job to provide the wine? No, someone fell through and messed up. Was it the servant's job to provide the wine? No, but it was their job. I need you to hear this. It was their job to bring the reality of that redemption to the people. It wasn't their job to redeem the people, but it was their job to serve the wine to the people. And this is what I need you to realize. It's not your job to redeem the people around you. It's not your job to redeem the people around you. It's not your job to, to, to provide even the life. It's your job to just provide the evidence that redemption was possible. Does this make sense? We've got to realize that there is a hurting, disgrace-filled world that we are not called to redeem. We are called to just show that there is a possibility of redemption, that it happened, that it's real, that it's valid. It's not your job to redeem the party. Jesus has just called you to bring the reality of his redemption. Bring it. And I love this. If we want to press in even more, do you know Scripture calls Jesus the bridegroom? Do you know Scripture calls his church the bride? Did you know every time that you don't draw some out, the world around you will remain with a tarnished view of our bridegroom and a tarnished view of his bride? That every time you do not serve that which Jesus has done in you, people will re remain with a tarnished view of Jesus and his church. I wonder how many people you work with have a tarnished view of the church and it's because you haven't served out that there's a possibility of redemption. See, one of the worst things that will happen in Glory Church year two is our city not knowing that there is a beautiful image of a bride and her groom. And it's full, it's whole, it's glorious, and they can be a part of it. If we just drew some out, if we just drew some out, as we end this morning to Elijah in a cave, stuck in his sorrows, God comes and says, Elijah, draw out so I can speak to you. To J Joshua, if you know the story of them walking in the wilderness for years, Joshua grew up in the wilderness. He was accustomed to the wilderness. And God said, I need you to draw some out. These people lead them out. This is scripture. For over and over to Peter in a boat, he sees life and, and a miracle happening. Jesus is walking on water and Peter feels the commission to draw out of it. We got to draw out to Lazarus, someone who's no longer dead, but still in a tomb. Jesus says, come out. So Lazarus drew himself out. We've got to showcase what Christ has done in us. We have to. That's our calling, our commission. 
But it's Gabby. Gabby, you can come on up. As we end this morning, I'm not going to push on and believe and, and promote this illusion that all of you feel like there's something to draw out of you. The power of this miracle, it, it was just that, a miracle. I'm not going to sit in this illusion that some of you feel like, I mean, the honest fact is, Greg, I feel empty. Some of you, you have filled your life with so many things, responsibilities, duties, tasks, trying to fill whole, and it just hasn't happened. No matter how many times those servants filled that jar with water, it wasn't going to turn to wine without Jesus. And some of you this morning, I'm, I'm, you cannot draw out what has not been changed That's why we're here as a church, to show that change is possible. For some of you, you need the real Jesus. And for the first time, you've seen his image clearer than ever before. Scripture says that he knocks on the door and we're just called to answer. Some of you need to own up to the fact that you've been faking it for far too long, dipping your hand in this water, hoping that it makes you feel better. You've been trying and, and trying and doing all these things, putting on the smile, acting like it's, it's real, but you know deep down there's no change. There's no hope. You just keep hitting a wall. It's really powerful that the servants were asked to go fill up and then give it to Jesus, to give them the full vessel, to give Jesus the full vessel and to let him change it. And some of you today could do that for the first time. Give Jesus your full vessel and let him change it. We'll get back to you in a second. But there's one or two, and I brought these grapes up for the one or two of you who are believers. And you say, Greg, if I could be honest, I've been a believer for a while and I just don't feel like there's anything to give right now. I just don't feel like there's anything to draw out. I know Jesus, but I'm just in a, stu a stuck place, a hard place. I don't feel like there's anything to draw out. Did you know sometimes the most powerful form of drawing out is pressing in? Sometimes drawing out looks just like pressing in. Think about how wine is really made. You ready? Not the miraculous way that Jesus did it, but real wine. The liquid is drawn out from the grape by it being pressed. Right? For some of you, the most beautiful miracle that can happen today in your life is for you to just be, Jesus, I have a broken and contrite heart, and I need you today. So I'm gonna press in. I don't feel like I have anything to give, so I'm just gonna press in. Drawing out sometimes looks like that in our faith. You'll have the moment when you, you dish up what he did and you serve it, but some of you, I just need to press in on that. You need to press in. So during this next song, some of you, draw some joy out that you need to draw. Others of you, press in. Use this. Let's turn this, this into an altar. And you can draw out of your seat and press in on your knees. And others of you, 
you've never asked Christ to change you and meant it. Today could be the day. If you don't know what to say, I'll help you pray. If you all want to bow your heads, person in the room that has felt just on the outside looking in, but you feel very powerfully that you want this life change, just repeat after me in your own way. Say, Jesus, I need you. I have felt empty for far too long. I feel like my life is just constantly me trying to fill myself up and it being for nothing in the end. I've done so much bad. Even in trying to do good, still feels empty. So Jesus, will you change me? I want life. I want what Pastor Greg is talking about. This peace that serves people. This peace that is for something greater than myself. I want that Shape me, Jesus. I will tell you, friend, if you you just prayed that and you meant it, what has swelled up in you is what Scripture says, life. So one day you'll get to tell people that, but I'll just let you know if, if that was you and you prayed that, you can look at me. I'm here for you. You're not alone. not alone so God I thank you for your goodness I pray that you work in this place in mighty ways I pray that people will draw some out in this room pray that people will press in that you may get the glory in all of it amen thanks for listening to the glory podcast For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.